Uh, thank you. All right, we're going to jump in. We're doing Rooted today. Uh, we're still on that series. And uh, I got this because my wife started having plants. Uh, if, you're, if you're friends with Sheila long enough, you'll try to emulate and give plants and things like that. So she has this plant. with our first house we've had plants in. And the plant is going wild everywhere. So I decided just to take a branch. Uh, and I cut this one off. And it's really nice. That's a nice-looking plant, right? Um, what's wrong with this one? It's dying. How do you know it's dying? That was a pretty confident statement. Why is it dying? It's not connected anymore. It's severed. It's been cut off. It's not rooted, right? So no matter how good it looks right now, it's only a matter of time until it is dead, right? It's in the dying process. That's why we're doing rooted. We're talking about getting rooted, being connected. Jesus said in John uh, that uh, we're supposed to abide in him so that we can bear much fruit. If we don't, we'll dry out, right? It's not, it's not a game. It's not just an idea. It's not a theology. It's a reality. If you're not rooted, if you're not plugged into the word of God, if you're not plugged into prayer, if you're not plugged into community, the things that God's given us to root in, then you might look great and fantastic, but you are in a process right now of dying. That's just a reality, and so we have to be rooted, and we've been talking about that. Today we're talking about a specific subject uh, that kind of tracks with the, week of, the weeks of Rooted that we're doing in our small groups, and it is how can we make the most of our life? Kind of gotten to that point like, okay, so I'm trying to follow the Lord, I'm trying to be rooted, but how can I do something valuable? How can I be significant? How can I make the most out of my life? And we're going to spend all of our time today really in one passage of Scripture to talk about this, and it's John chapter 13. And we're just going to walk through this. It's John 13, 1 through 17 is what we're going to work through. And I'm going to read the first verse. It says, It was now just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. So he's having a time with his disciples. He's getting ready to go to the cross. Okay, we're in that scene right now. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. And I think that that is so important right there that we're going to come back to it later at the end of the message. I'm going to come back to that. It's not just that he loved them, but he loved them to the very end. Okay, there's a lot of people that don't finish well. They don't finish life well. They don't finish ministry well. They don't finish anything well. You know, every year the athletic clubs fill up with like a thousand million new, new members and you go in there, you can't even get to a machine because there's a line for every machine. But usually by January 2nd, you can get on any machine you want. People don't finish well. We don't finish well unless we're at the buffet. Then we're finishing strong. My grandma used to put fried chicken in a napkin, stick it in her purse, and take it home. My dad, when we went to Olive Garden for the never-ending bowl, he thought that meant, like, never-ending. And so he would have us get another bowl. We're full, Dad. Just get another one. I'm full. Get another one. They all come out. Can we get to-go boxes? Because my kids are full, but we're still not done. We just take it home, right? But in regular life things, we all have a struggle with finishing well. So we're going to come back to that. But for now, we're going to move ahead. John 13, 2 through 5. The evening meal was underway, and the devil had already put into the heart of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had delivered all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and he was returning to God. So he got up from the supper, laid aside his outer garments, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with the towel that was around him. The most important word, I think, in this entire passage is the word so. 
I think that's the most significant word because if you look at that, the whole entire thing, it kind of pivots on that. It says these first, these things happened. Jesus knew the Father had delivered all things into his hands and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. Jesus knew the victory was already won. He knew that, that the Father had already given him significance and importance and a role and a purpose. He knew that his life already mattered. He knew that what he was doing was already in line with what the Father wanted. Like he knew these things. He wasn't trying to prove it. He wasn't trying to earn it. He wasn't trying to live up to somebody else's expectation. He wasn't trying to like make his way and get like a, a, a ministry stamp from his pastor or from somebody else or, hey, you're good enough, you can do it. Have somebody else verify them. He knew because of his relationship with the Father. The same Father that we all have a relationship with. You know what? I want to encourage you. I want to build you up. I want to love you. But you don't need my approval. You're approved by the Father. If you ever leave this church and you're at another church and you feel like, man, I'm in this church, but it seems like they, they're always looking down on me, like the pastor doesn't care about me, like I'm really not loved or cared for, like I'm a second class. You know what? You don't need their approval. You need the Father's approval. And you already have it. You already have it so much that he sent his son to die for you. That's how much he loved for you. And he poured out the best that he had in order to be able to have a relationship with you. So that's already done, but Jesus was ministering from that place. He wasn't ministering to attain approval. He was ministering from approval. He wasn't even ministering to attain anointing. I'm going to minister more so I can get more anointing. He was actually ministering from anointing that he already had because of who he was and because of what he knew and the relationship that he had. And so it says that. It says everything had come from God. He was returning to God. So, so, because of that, so now this happened. Okay, well, what happened? Well, he got up from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water in a basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet. Because he already was approved, because he already had affirmation, because he already knew who he was, and because he had no need of it from anybody else, what did he do? He took off his garments, he took up a towel, and he began to serve. Because he had nothing to prove. He had no dignity to hold on to. He didn't need to hold on to it. You don't need to hold on to something if it's actually already in you and a part of you. You only need to hold on to it if it's not a part of you. If you're holding on to your dignity, to your, your reputation, to your name, to your prestige, to your if you're holding on to something tightly, it's because it's not really who you are anyway. When it becomes a part of you, your hands are free. And when your hands are free, you can serve with them. You can touch lives with them. You can help people. That's what he was doing. Now, washing feet back then was worse than washing feet now. And washing feet now doesn't rank high on my list. It ranks low. It, but back then, washing feet was actually considered to be such a low thing because you literally didn't have socks and shoes and that kind of stuff. Some people had nothing. Some people had sandals, just like a thin layer of leather with a strap holding them on, just walking through there. And you walked everywhere. You didn't, you didn't drive a car. So most people were walking. So literally, your feet are, are cut, they're callous, they're bruised, they've got, they've got stuff stuck in them, they stink, they're smelly, they're gross. We didn't have pedicure places. You guys weren't going around going and getting a hot rock massage on their calves. Like, the feet were ugly, stinky, smelly, painful, sores on them. And so to wash them was considered so lowly that when people came to your house, you're supposed to help them wash their feet when they got in so you didn't bring it into your house 
But diseases were transferred by foot and all these things. So they had to wash them. But it was considered so lowly that only the slaves, they would try to have the slaves do it. But if you were a rabbi, there were some rabbis that taught that if you were a Jewish slave, that you still should not be stooped to that level to do that. So even lower than a slave, because certain slaves wouldn't be allowed to do it. And here Jesus, because he's already affirmed, because he's already aware of who he is, he's already anointed, he already has authority, he already has nothing to prove, he says, you know what, forget all of that, here's a need that matters, and I'm going to get down on the ground, and I'm going to serve in this way. And he began to wash their feet, begin to clean it, and begin to go around the sores, and go around the pain, and go around the things. And this story, he washes all their feet, guess who was in that group? Judas, who he already knew was going to betray him. He already knew there was a problem, and yet he washed his feet. He served out of a heart of love. He served from a place of knowing who he was and what the final outcome would be. And he began to dry them. John 13, 6 through 8, he came to Simon Peter who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. And he said, never, never will you wash my feet. Never. Well, we know Peter was a flake. He changed his mind all the time. And he changed his mind really fast here, too. Never will you wash my feet. Okay, go ahead. He folded pretty fast, which was kind of his character. He was a loud talker and a real, real slow walker. He didn't really get the job done. One of those, we have some people like that that we know. All of us in our lives. Loud talkers that aren't walking it. I mean, that's just true. And some of us have done that ourselves, right? We're just people. But this is what happens. He says, never will you wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash, you'll have no part with me. His immediate response, wash my whole body. I mean, he flipped so fast, so quick. But he says, wash my whole body. But the point that was being made there was, unless I wash your feet, you can have no part of me. What is a feet? Because Peter was already following Jesus. He was already serving Jesus. But the feet are the part that we're coming into contact constantly with the journey. Constantly with the struggle. The part getting hurt. There are parts of your life that are constantly coming into contact with the journey. There's parts of your life that are constantly coming into unprotected contact with the struggle of life. And you're going around thinking, you know what, this part gets hurt, this part gets sore, this part gets... And Jesus is saying, if I don't wash your feet, then you're in trouble. If I don't wash your feet, then you're not going to make it. You can't go where I'm going. You can't follow where I'm following. Unless you allow Jesus to wash and clean and help you in the areas of your life that are coming into constant contact with the difficult circumstances of the journey of life... You won't be able to follow him. You won't be able to go where he's going. You won't be able to part. Well, but there's parts I don't want any, I don't want to pray about. There's parts I don't want to give to him. They hurt too bad. I've buried them. I've locked them away. I put them. If you won't let him wash your feet, if you won't let him deal with the sores and the calluses and the pain and the suffering that have you picked up along the path of life, guess what? You won't be able to follow. You get an infection. You get a limp. Everybody will have to carry you. 
Pretty soon they won't be able to carry you. People put you down and you say, oh, look at all those bums. Nobody wanted to carry me. Nobody really loved me. They loved you. They just got tired. You were heavy. And the only reason that you were heavy and had to be carried all the time is because you wouldn't let them wash your feet. We're here for community to care for each other, but ultimately what we all really need the most is Jesus. And we get to Jesus and he says, you know what, That's, you want relationship with me? Show me where it hurts. Show me where the sores are. Show me where you've been traveling. Let me work on this. And we have to allow him to, to get into our life in that way and to wash it. And if we want to offer that to others, we have to have had it done ourselves. So many of us want to minister to other people, but we don't want to slow down to let God minister to us. And he's telling him, you know, let me minister to you first or you can't do what I'm doing. Peter's like, no, I'm ready. I'm, I'm going to fight with you. I'm for you. He says, no, I need you to let me help you before you're going to go help me. That's, that's the path it works on. I brought these. These are my daughter's boots. They're so cute. They were much cuter when we lived in town. <laughs> but now we live in kind of on a piece of land. So it's not huge country, but it's country for us. Couldn't have a horse, but you could have a sheep. So it's a little bit of land. She wants a little black pig that snores is what she wants. A cute little black pig that snores, which I don't think we're going to get because I want to eat him and then I'll be a bad dad. But <laughs> we're struggling through that. But these are her shoes. Before when she went outside, she walked on sidewalk. Everything was fine. Now when she goes outside, she walks in mud. Comes back in, it's like this. Well, if she wants to help in the house, guess what's got to happen first? You got to get those shoes off or you got to get those shoes clean. Can't be bringing them in like that. Why? Because I don't want my house wrecked. Because your feet are a mess. Okay? So if you want to help, first you got to do that. When we go and she wants to help me cook, right? You learn to pick your nose at about three. So when she wants to help me cook, we got to wash our hands. And she always wants to know why. And I'm like, you'll understand later. But you just had that whole finger clear up there tickling your brain. You ain't about to be helping me make mac and cheese with that because you also stick your finger in the cheese and swirl it around and taste it. I don't want that. So if you want to help me do these other things, first you've got to let me clean the areas that you've been using because they're not clean. And that's the point he's trying to make. If you don't let me clean you, if you don't let me bring healing to areas, if you don't let me do stuff, you're not going to be able to do the things you think that you want to do for me. Well, but if I do all those, then I'll heal because I'm doing so many good things. It doesn't work that way. We have to allow God to minister to us before we can minister to others. That's the way that it works. John 13, 9 through 10, he says, Then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not only my feet, but my, my hands and my head as well. And Jesus told him, Whoever is already bathed needs only to wash his feet, and he will be completely clean. And you are clean, though, not all of you. Whoever has already bathed needs only to wash his feet. The point here is that you're clean. It's, that, it's not that you're unclean as a person, as a wholeness, but this area needs help. Okay, that's different than all the time feeling like you need to get saved again. Oh, I got a problem, an issue. I got a bitterness. I got a hurt. I got an offense. I did something, so Lord, I got to be saved again. I don't know. And the devil brings in condemnation all the time trying to say, do you know what? You're not really serving the Lord. Do you know what? You were never really saved. Do you know what? God never really loved you. God never really cared for you. You're not really a child of God. And so it's like, uh, I'm a total mess. I'll start over. Well, what he's saying is you don't have, if you've already been bathed, if you've already been washed in the blood, if you've already been saved, if you're already okay, you don't have to start over 
But you got to show the parts where it's dirty. You've got to maintain yourself and keep yourself clean and stay healthy. And so there's a difference. Why is this important? Well, because feet are directly in, uh, in contact with the journey. And so it's something that we have to do because we want to keep moving forward. We have to allow Jesus to do that. John 13, 10 through 11, Jesus told him, whoever is already bathed needs only to wash his feet and he will be completely clean. And I want to hit this last part of this verse again. Though not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. In other words, some of, he's talking about Judas and he's like, you know what, not all of you are clean. Not all of you have allowed me to cleanse you on the inside. I'm talking with the feet about cleansing outwardly, but... The rest of you have been cleaned inside, but there's some here that have never been cleansed inside. There's some of you that have never been bathed fully. There's some of you that have never allowed that. That's never happened. So it's not just an issue of where you've been in contact with the world, but your whole self still needs to be cleaned. And he's talking to people that are in the room with him. Okay, so there might be some of you here that you're in the room, but you've never given your life to the Lord. You've never given your life to Jesus. You've never allowed him to cleanse the inside. You're just there because you heard there was some good bread. I heard he's breaking bread. Is he having fish too? I like fish. But you're just there to try to get some, something, some community, some connection, some feeding. But you've never allowed him to come in and to cleanse your whole person, to cleanse your heart, to cleanse your mind, to, to accept the gift of salvation. And to say, you know what, I, I give my life to the Lord and, and I thank you for what you did on the cross. And you rose again and, and I want a new heart and I want a new life and allow him to do that. But if you allow him to do that, you don't have to do that over and over. But some had not allowed that. Judas was set to betray him. John 13, 12 through 14. When Jesus had washed his feet and put on his outer garments, he reclined with them again. And he asked, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, because I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. So he moves to the second stage. I've done this for you. Now you can do this for each other. But you can never mix up the order. I've done this for you. Now you can do this for others. If we stop going to the Lord and we try to just serve, you will burn out. You will get broken. You will get hurt. You will dry out. And as he said in John 14 and 15, that you'll be good for nothing but be gathered and thrown in the fire. Because you dry out. We're not meant to do the ministry for the Lord. We're meant to do it with the Lord because he's working through us. And he says that we're supposed to do it for one another, first by God, and then we do it to others. But if I'm supposed to do it for you, then guess what that means about our relationship? I have to also allow you to do it for me because we're all in the same space. So I'm allowing God to cleanse me and work on me, but now I'm going to minister to you. Well, guys. When I have a problem, I have to be humble enough to let you pray for me, to let you talk to me, to let you encourage me when I'm struggling. Hey, I'm having a hard time. I'm going through a struggle. I'm dealing with temptation. Well, but you're the pastor. I don't know. I'm dealing with some depression, but you're the pastor. That's why. <laughs> I mean, who knows? We're just people. All of us are. And so there can't be a point where you say, I'm a believer long enough that I don't 
have to lean on anybody or have anybody else help me. I don't have to ever confess anything. I don't ever have to ask for prayer. I don't ever have to, I never stand at an altar call. I never ask the Lord for something because I'm already at a certain level. You don't get to a certain level where you no longer need God to help you or others to help you because this is the cycle that he made. This is the design is that we work together at this process of being cleaned by the Lord and then helping each other and cleaning each other's feet and back and forth. It's a lifestyle. It's a communal activity. It's what we say. We say love God, love people, and live like we mean it. Why? Because it's supposed to be a lifestyle. It's not a one-time event. It's a lifestyle. It goes over and over again. Well, I got a pedicure. I got it four years ago. It should be good still. And no, you can't even get your shoes on anymore. You should probably get your toenails clipped. My wife will tell me, cut your toenails. I'm like, I did. She's like, no. Since we moved to Texas, go cut them. (laughs) I did it. It's a repetitive process. It doesn't make you a bad person that you have things to be prayed for or to be cleansed. It makes you a person that's going through the journey of life. And so we open up and talk and work through these things together. And so it's the same thing that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 22. He says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? These are the the Pharisees and people trying to attack him and and trip him up and, and trick him. And he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second like it is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. What's he saying? Love God. Okay. In loving, we bear each other's burdens right? We walk things out. He's not just talking about an emotional feeling, but he's talking about this relationship where you are sharing and interacting with the Lord. You're taking on his burdens as he has a burden for the lost and for the hurting and for those people that need to be served. He's taking on your burdens as you come to him with things that you are in need of and you're sharing, you're loving God, you're serving, you're allowing God to serve you and to help you in your needs. You're going to people and doing the same thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go and serve and be served. This whole entire thing is happening back and forth. John 13, 15 to 17, going back to that passage, he says, I have set you an example so that you should do as I have done for you. Truly, truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And that's the key there. He says, if you know these, you'll be blessed. So what's the word blessed? The word blessed, it actually comes from this word that means to become long or large. He's saying, if you know these things, your life will become larger and longer. If you want your life to matter, how do I make my life count? How do I make my life matter? How do I make my life larger? How do I make my life more impactful? If you want your life to be larger and more impactful, you want it to have a longer reach, to have more impact, this is the path is to do these things. What are these things? He was just doing them and just talking about them. It is allowing yourself to be served by Jesus. Well, I don't get served by Jesus. I serve him. That's not how he laid it out. He laid it out that he came to serve. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still is a servant. He still wants to serve you. He still wants to wash your feet. He still wants to help you. He still wants to free you. He still wants to deliver you. But we have to open up and allow it and then to turn and then to do the same for others and then to allow them to do the same for us. And there's a, there's a cycle here that's going on. But he says, if you do these things, 
you'll be blessed. If you do these things, your life will be longer. If you do these things, your life will be larger and more will come out of it. If you're willing to do those, well, but I want to serve in kids' class, but I want to be on a worship team. Well, but I want to do a Bible study. All those things are good and completely, absolutely worthless if you aren't first having relationship with Jesus and allowing him to work in your life and work in your heart. He tells us that. He says at the end, many will come saying, oh, we knew you, and we did this in your name, and did that in your name, and we did all these things, and he says, I don't know you, depart. Because he didn't come down here looking for a bunch of people to do things for him. He's perfectly capable of doing it himself. He created everything. He came down here to restore relationship with people. And they can do the things from relationship because they enjoy doing it with him and because they have a calling for it. But it's in that order. Coming back to John 13, 1, and this is where we're going to start to wrap it up. It says, he did these things so that he loved them, and it says, to the very end. To the very end. If you want your life to count, if you want it to matter, then you've got to live it to the end. You see on the news even, so many people, great uh, pastors, preachers, ministers, things like that, done all these great things, but later in life, they get into all kind of scandal. All, all different types of scandal. Worship leaders and pastors and evangelists and people. They, they lived well, but it came into scandal. So they loved, but they didn't love to the very end. Why? Because somewhere the cycle got broken of allowing their own heart to be opened up confession, repentance, let, let, let God serve me, let people serve me, and then serve. And they got to a place where all they were doing was serving, and the inside kept getting dirty and infected. So it's a cycle that takes transparency, vulnerability, but we have to do it all the way to the very end. I was at a, a celebration of life service yesterday for Ernest. And we had that service, and uh, Ernest was one of our members here. And uh, it was amazing to just listen to the stories. We had neighbors, multiple neighbors came that knew him and talked about how we had an open mic, and they talked about how he would come over to their house and help them put chairs together or things that they needed for their, uh, their parent that was in dementia or their, their relatives in dementia and assembling chairs and doing things. And some other guy's like, yeah, he was teaching me how to carve a flute. was my neighbor. And somebody that he met at a protest is like, yeah, we've been getting together for coffee and being friends ever since. And it's been like decades that he's been meeting with this guy. And like all these different things where he's been meeting and connecting and, and just loving on people all the way to the end. It didn't change because he got older. It was to the end. Just a few days before he passed, he was up in our uh, film studio up here uh, with Jacob. And uh, they were up there doing some stuff. And Jacob asked him, he says, why do you do so many things with your, with your grandson? Like, you're always with him. Like, you're riding bikes. You're doing all these things, you know. Because Ernest wasn't, wasn't old, but he's not put on a little bike helmet and cruise around with your little grandkid age. And do all these things. And he's like, why do you do that? And his answer was, because you never know how long you have. And that was just a few days. He was totally healthy. Surprise, trip to heaven. Just a few days before. And he says, it's because you never know how much time you have. If you live in this cycle of allowing God to serve you, serving God, allowing others to serve you, serving them, and you live in this cycle of doing this, when your number gets called you'll have no regrets. Your life will have mattered. And if he comes back while we're still alive, don't be one of the people where the master comes back and you're like, boy, I better get to doing something. 
important. If the master comes back, if I knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, do you know what I would do? I would do exactly what I was going to do tomorrow anyway. Because I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't need to change anything. I'm going to get up tomorrow. I'm going to love my family. I'm going to call some people, meet with some people, pray for some people, love some people, try to make some money to pay the bills for my kids and put a roof over their head. And I'm going to continue to live the same life of loving God, loving people, and living like I mean it. And that is a life that matters. That's a life that's significant. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just pray for everybody here, Lord, as we close up, God, that you would, Father, first of all, Lord, give them the so that Jesus had. Lord, the knowing you so that the rest can flow from it. Lord, allow them to be open and transparent. Lord, allow them to love each other well. Lord, allow all of us to do that. Father, we want to live a life, Lord, that's worthy of the gospel. Lord, and the gospel was open and transparent and full of love and service. Lord, we want to live that way. Lord, we thank you for it. God, I pray to bless everybody in this church. Father, I pray that they'd have a great week this week, Lord. Build up their value. Build up their mindset. Lord, if they're struggling with something, God, open their heart. Lord, with enough vulnerability to reach out and let somebody wash their feet. Lord, let you wash their feet. Lord, if they see somebody with dirty feet, God, I pray they wouldn't judge their feet, but that they would get down, Lord, and scrub their feet. Lord, let us be a house, Lord, not Lord, just of people who know about you, Lord, but people that know you. Lord, let our lives reflect that relationship. Lord, that we could bear much fruit. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.